I'm an optimist. I'm a believer. So I'm always thinking, why not me? So for me, I was in that time. I'm like, man, all right, just a matter of time. The ball's going to break my way eventually. I'm, I'm a winner. It has to break my way. And so, so it's just a matter of time. So let me just do my reps so that when they call, when it's go time, I'm ready to get busy. Coming up on this edition of Naked, actor, writer, producer, Omar Miller on this edition of Naked. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So on today's podcast, we have Omar Benson Miller. He is an actor, uh, a writer, uh, and I and I assume a creative on all levels because usually it takes that left brain to do all of those things. Uh, but more importantly, he's just a good human. And on today's podcast, we talk about um, being an actor in this world, dealing with uh, the ego that could come with that, and also the responsibility that comes with knowing you're better than how people perceive you. Uh, this meant a lot to me for a lot of reasons, because I've known Omar for, as we just figured out, almost a decade. I met him uh, when I first started working in sports at the Tennis Channel. And of all places, I've met him at Roland Garros, which is the French Open. And it was in Paris. And I remember thinking, what a nice person, what a nice guy. And I was very familiar with him because everyone's seen 8 Mile. Uh, he was in 8 Mile, Eminem's buddy. Uh, he played that guy who did the thing for Eminem. And I was always thinking, 
I believe him. I believe they could actually be friends. And when I had a chance to meet him, I was like, I see why. Just a good guy all around. Now, here's what's funny. He wanted to be a professional baseball player. I would have never thought that. Yes, tall, athletic, all of the things. But I would have never thought that someone whose baseball dreams in a way would ultimately end up being in theater by accident. His words, not mine. But most importantly, I was able to find out so much more about the guy who I always just considered a nice guy who was a good actor who was working consistently. Uh, he's a deep thinker. I, I told him that I was going to call this episode The Preacher. The reason why I wanted to call it was because he had a lot of life hacks. He had a lot of gems to drop. Agree or disagree, you can tell that he thinks, he reads, um, he sees the world differently. And I think oftentimes we can get very comfortable and complacent in our choices. So take a listen to the actor, Omar Benson Miller. He joins me the exact day that his new television series, True Lies, which will be on CBS, debuts. So I appreciate him for coming on the Carrie Champion show as well as Naked. He did a two-a-day for me. Take a listen and tell me what you think. Omar Miller is on Naked. Um, Omar, I I think that it's interesting in the way in which you've been able to um, guide your life and your career. I'm a fan of who you are more so, I guess, off camera. On camera is beautiful too, but off camera, I'm really interested in getting to know um, how curious you are. You seem like a naturally curious person. When did that start? At what age? Uh, since I can have memory. Because I grew up the youngest of seven kids. So I grew up learning a world. I was I had a fantastic childhood. So I grew up learning a world that was protected and shocked full of love. And so with that, I was always encouraged to explore and ask questions and learn. And I learned a lot from my siblings. I learned by watching them, but I learned a lot by, by asking them, specifically asking them stuff. So for me, the curiosity opened up my, you know, my life, my opportunities early. And so did mimicking, you know, my, my brothers and my sister and my parents. And so it was, you know, I had a really uh, interesting childhood that led me to become a curious person. I try not to be set or rigid. You said seven kids. That's they don't do that unless you're in the South. So I'm kidding. But like, it's unheard of to hear. I have seven brothers and sisters. Where do you sit in that line? I'm the last one. That's what I'm saying. I grew up, I was the last one. So I grew up watching people who were older than me already. And also kind of like we were talking about earlier, my parents, by the time I came about, my parents had a better handle on parenting. <laughs> you think? It's got to be tough for kids. Yeah, it's got to be tough for kids who are early in the order. Because like I was talking about, you know, we're people. We aren't necessarily good at anything the first couple times we do it. So when you think about that, something as important as parenting, your parents are learning on the go too, yeah. you know? And I, so and my parents were, were already seasoned. So by the time I got to the mix, you know, we it was it was already established. And yes, you're, you're right. My father is from Mississippi. So my parents are Southern and they do. This is a lot of whole lot of procreation takes place in the South. <laughs> yeah, in this sport of listeners, uh, he's saying earlier, because when we are recording this, he came on my TV show earlier and knocked it out of the park. Yes. I'm sure you all have paid attention. Um, and you have to watch the episode with Omar Miller. Amazing job. He made me laugh. We got silly. We were very honest about a lot of things. I am also very curious. When you say you have a great childhood, you grew up with a lot of love. And that's a huge, huge but that's a huge family, like seven kids, seven young kids roaming around. What did your parents do? My parents owned dry cleaners. Man. So they used to joke about us that we were like the Jeffersons because uh, around the time of the Jeffersons, we moved out of the inner city to Orange County. And um, I, so my oldest brother is 16 years older than me. So there's a long range for us. And uh, so so my parents, yeah, my my parents had businesses all over Los Angeles, all throughout the South Central Los Angeles and the South Bay and the whole song and dance. And uh, they did really well for a spell there and they were able to sustain, you know, 
a house with seven kids and two adults and the plethora of friends and family and everybody else who came to stay with us. Well, that's beautiful. So then would you, would your older brothers and sisters describe you as spoiled when you were younger or would they say you were pretty even? I think it depends on which one you ask, <laughs> you know, so it's a, there's a, there's, I don't think there's just a one way answer. I think that my parents, like most parents that I've recognized now, the more children that come become a little bit softer and uh, lighter handed. And so in that, I came at a later point in their relationship. So it, it came with a, you know, I think that came with a different understanding about parenting. But I also, I've, I tell you what, I've been blessed in my life to learn the easy way. I'm not somebody that's interested in learning the hard way. And I saw that early with my siblings. And I saw a couple of my siblings learn things the hard way. And I was like, that is not for me. I, I don't need that. I can, <laughs> I can, I can see that example and go the other direction. Not going to do it. Got it. I'm going to yeah. pass on that. This is a pass for me. I am the absolute opposite. And I don't know if that is because I'm the only child, but I am the absolute oh, opposite. Oh, wow. You're an only child. I have, well, let me be clear. I have um, a half brother and I have two half brothers and a half sister, but okay. we all have because Papa was a Rolling Stone, and I grew up essentially as an only child, just my mother and myself. Right. So, so I feel like I am the person. My mother put a lot of fire in my belly, as I like to say, because she had me so young, and she was fiery. And when you say, by the time you came along, your parents probably were softer, and you learned in a different way. I, I, I talk to her often about how I was raised, and I think now my mother is in her sixties. She's so much softer, so much easier, so much right. love. Right. And if she if she had to do it again, she'd probably give me more of that for my younger years. With that being said, did you did you ever know early on that you were going to be an actor? Did you find yourself entertaining? Oh no way! No way! Well, no what way. did you want to set out to no, be? No, 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 no. I was I was an athlete. I was an athlete before my leg went crooked and I busted my knees. Blah 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 blah. Um, Man, I wish they had load management when I was a kid. I might actually be straight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, before before I sacrificed my body um, for sports. And so I grew up in business, right? So in my mind, I was either going to be a professional uh, baseball player or I was going to be some sort of an import-export. So we had a family business. And for me... I was familiar with business. I went to school with the idea that I was going to play sports and stumbled into the theater. I didn't, I wasn't planning on being an entertainer by any means. No way. I was entertaining, you know, but, but being entertaining is different than being a professional entertainer when, you know, when the lights go on. It's a lot of pretty women out there. Doesn't mean that they can do what you do. You know what I mean? You have a talent, you have a skill and you've practiced it and it's a craft. Same thing for me. A lot of funny dudes. Matter of fact, athletes are the funniest people on the planet, man. Athletes are way funnier than comedians. Like if you hang out, when you hang out with athletes in the locker rooms and stuff, men and dudes are hilarious. But that doesn't mean that if you turn the camera on and put it on them, they could make people laugh. Do you not believe that how some people are born to do what they do? So here's my, my thought process on that. As a kid, I knew I would be doing some form or fashion of this. I just felt like like a calling for me when you were going to be a professional athlete and you were entertaining do you look back now and say oh it all makes sense the dream of business and entertainment not in business is still there but the the professional side of being a professional athlete goes away and you stumbled into acting did it seem natural did theater seem natural for you so natural that you look up and you're like oh i was i was born for this i'm gonna say this in the least arrogant way that i can okay um, I'm good at a lot of stuff. I'm good at languages. I'm good at entertainment or performance. I used to be good at sports. I'm, I'm good at, I'm because of the way I grew up again, because I grew up fully loved. I have no reason to not be a successful person. I grew up in a household with both parents with a lot of love and protection and a lot of examples of what to and not to do. So for me, I, can think of ways when I look back and say, oh, okay, this doing this helped me with this. 
And for certain, the fact that I love baseball and baseball is a failure sport, that has helped me when it came time to start auditioning and hearing no. Because in baseball, if you get it right three out of 10 times, you're one of the greatest people to ever do it ever. So that means you failed seven times. So the, that, that is built in the understanding processing of rejection and failure. A lot of people don't have that. And so in that it becomes devastating for them and it can grind them down to hear the no's that are a necessary part of the success of having a career in entertainment unless you're you know somebody's son or brother unless you're nepo baby you know but i think that uh you know but for me i could have easily not done this and been just as happy doing something else because there's a real sacrifice with this kind of work it's a real there's a real you know you you know there's a there's a real you really there's a trade-off there's a trade-off on where you can live there's a trade-off on how your life is. There's a trade-off on needs that you have. You know what I mean? So it's like in that, I could I could very much so have done something else and gotten into another business or another field and been cool. You said that no's are necessary to be successful. Why is that? Well, you know, part of it is if every day is a sunny day, then what's a sunny day? There's a, There's a bit of that. I think, uh, kind of like we were speaking about earlier, there's a greatness fatigue. You can, you can get a success fatigue if things always work for you. And then eventually the way that this life is set up, I don't know if anybody told you, but the way that life is set up, eventually something's not going to go your way. And in that, how you process that is going to determine a whole lot about where you move forward and how you move forward in life. So I think no matter what your field, there are failures that are, to be told, failure is an essential part of success because, because another piece of it is, for example, there's a big difference between making money and keeping money. I know a whole lot of people who make a bunch of money, they don't keep any of it. And these are two different muscles, just like there's a different muscle between auditioning and actually performing the role. So I think that for success, if you don't have the failures that actually make you appreciate the success, when you actually attain success, whether it's quick or slow, whether it takes some time or whether it happens fairly quickly for you, you won't know how to process that and you won't know how to maintain that because you haven't had the failures to set you up. And now this is coming from somebody who's had a, a good deal of success in this business particularly. You know, you said but failure sets you up to pre. What does it do for me? It helps me appreciate the moments. It helps me understand what it what it took to arrive. What it it helps me um, also also live with humility because I think that that's imperative. It's I mean imperative to success is humility, and I also understand that there was really beauty in the journey because it's still a journey, right? So all of those things help me every single day. As I get up and do what I, I love, as I get up and do the things that I prayed for, as I get up and have the the access that I didn't necessarily know would come with this, but I'm okay with that. So when you yeah. talk about failure, they have to be because you you said you had a lot of success, which I think let's just go. But I've never not known you to to work. Meaning, actors can go through droughts, significant droughts, um, and some can rebound in an amazing way, and they find it. Or you could be hot and you could be it for a moment and then it disappears. It's fleeting, right? And then how do you handle that? I I look at you and think, where were your failures, if you will, in terms of what you do? In your oh, mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're not just in my mind, but there's some, some uh, actual factual examples. So for me, um, there's, there's quite a few. So for example, before streaming and all this other stuff, there was basically, you either were a movie actor or you were a television actor. And it used to be the good actors were in the movies and the good looking people were on television. They weren't necessarily considered to be really good actors. 
And so early on, I made a decision to be in the movies. That's say that again. The good actors were movie stars. Yeah. And and good looking and people. Good looking. Yeah, interesting looking people or good looking we're people were on TV, and they made a bunch of money to be on TV. But they weren't. And I'm talking about when I first got started in the early 2000s, right? But you would never have the same reaction from a television star. And I'm talking about in real life that you would if you saw a movie star in real life. You would you would see the movie star and be like, whoa, because that's the that was considered, you know, upper echelon. That's the thespian. That's that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's there, there was there was it was clear. It wasn't there was, this wasn't even up for debate. So for me, when I first got out of school, I was like, all right, well, I want to shoot for the top. I like to consider myself a good actor. And so. You know, I got in a movie early and I got my third audition or something like that. I got in a movie, had a small role in a movie called Sorority Boys. And then the next thing that I did was Eight Mile, which changed the world for me. But then I was tapped by Forrest Whitaker to play Fat Albert. And it was going to be awesome. And, uh, and Forrest Whitaker and uh, Bill Cosby ended up getting into some uh, creative differences that made the project fall apart, yada, 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 yada. So when Forrest was out, I was out, basically, right? That was one that I considered to be a failure because I had to bounce back from that because I was about to come out of the box for the first time for people seeing me with this incredible run of movies, which changed. But one clear failure that I would say is... Then when things started to change and you could do television and movies, right? I started to do CSI Miami based on doing a movie with Jerry Bruckheimer. And he blessed me. He saw my talent. He blessed me. And he had them create a role for me on CSI Miami, which at the time was the biggest show in the world. I had never really done consistent TV. So I was asleep on the power of television. I have to be honest. When I got on CSI Miami, Everything changed in a specific way because I can't get off the plane now without being recognized. I don't care. And I mean, off the plane anywhere on the planet because that show was massive. When you do movies, people see the movies, but it's not the same because when you're, when you do TV, like a procedural show like CSI Miami, I have people come up to me and say, man, you sleep with my wife every night. It's like, whoa, huh? Here, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. I do. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it, when you're in people's house, there's a different connection that they feel with you. There's a different way that they feel like you know what I mean that they're really connected with. For sure. But after I did CSI Miami, I did it for three years, and then I didn't have a job for almost two years, probably a year, like eighteen months. I didn't have a job. And it was a director that I had worked with on a film before who asked me to do another film with him called Homefront with Jason Statham's action flip. And that got me back popping. But there was, you know, 18 months of being around the house of not getting phone calls returned from agents of being like, damn, is it over? Am I not going to work? Like, do I need to go do something else? And those are the kind of things. Then even when I did that piece, I did that. Nothing came about again until another 14 months. So for me, that actually works for somebody like me because I like to do other things other than just entertainment. I think the things that make me good at entertainment is the fact that I'm actually in the world and get to to absorb life and material. So then I can duplicate that life so that then when you watch it, it feels like something that's in real life and not something that's in a bubble that's separate from real life. So you, okay. I've had my share, you know, I've had my share of times. Times where I've almost lost my house and all kind of stuff. So, yeah. So if you've, okay. So that's what I'm talking about. So like, that's tangible. Cause if I'm, I'm at home and I'm, I, I'm Sally in um, Alabama and all I've ever wanted to do is just get a guest role or maybe even be a seat filler for that matter. Right. And I'm right. like saying he was not working for 18 months and then he wasn't, he wasn't working here for 14 months, but he's still working. Like you're so excited, but there are the commitments that come with, or the lifestyle that you live that come with working and you not working 
people saw shadows. Do you know how that's for people? That's the biggest fear. The financial fear, yeah. honestly, the biggest fear. And if you experience that, which you have, how did it change your way and your perspective when you started working again consistently? Although I still think you've been working consistently. That's still my, my point of view. It didn't change anything. Thank you. But it didn't change anything for me because I know what I got into. So I, I got into a long shot business. And with that, there's extreme highs and extreme lows. And I'm okay with that. You know, now if I had two or three kids and a wife to support that I got to put kids in private school or this, that, and the other, maybe I would have a different perspective. But it didn't change anything for me because I'm an optimist. I'm a believer. So I'm always thinking, why not me? So for me, I was in that time. I'm like, man, all right, just a matter of time. The ball's going to break my way eventually. I'm, I'm a winner. It has to break my way. And yeah. so, so it's just a matter of time. So let me just do my reps so that when they call, when it's go time, I'm ready to get busy. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, you know what I mean? So that when they call my number, I'm ready. I'm ready. Call me up, coach. Put me in the game. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm with, with you. Yeah. Yeah. We have to pay the bills. I'm going to a quick break. We will be back in just a few moments. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connected with. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with Welcome back to Naked. Omar Benson Miller still here dropping knowledge. Pay attention. 
It's always interesting because today when you were on the show, the TV show, Look at All My Jobs, you said that... Um, <laughs> Speaking of working all the time. All the jobs, right? Because when you go, because it can go away. You know, I left ESPN on my own and I and I had no, I had no job. I did a, well, yeah. let me be. And that was their loss, by the way. On and, and and by the way, they know that as well. I have been asked to come back, but here's what I've experienced since since leaving and learning. Um, on the outside looking in, some people would be like, "Why'd you do that?" A lot of people said that to me. "Why'd you do that?" But I wasn't be. I didn't have the freedom, the creative freedom to be. And we were at a very interesting time in our in our country. Still are. You got to read that. You got to read that, and you read that well. And I was Bravo. just like, I was like, "You're not going to allow me to speak." about something that is so near and dear and it is infused in who I am as a black person in America. And you want me to get up here and give And it would have made it hard on you to sleep. Makes it hard on you to be you outside of whatever that physical uh uh accolade or, or compensation may be. This is this is it's so much deeper. And we we have something I don't mean to cut you off, please remember where you are. But I want to get this out. We have something that's happened in our society and in the culture that's really rough, which is it's an anything goes situation when it comes to the to the cheese. And we got to get off that. And I understand. Listen, don't people who really know me know you're hard pressed to find a harder hustler than me. I hustle hard and I've hustled hard my whole life, sometimes good and sometimes bad. But we got to get off that thing where that's the ultimate peak, that that is the pinnacle of everything. You know, because it's not. There's so much more. Well, you, okay, so for somebody, I don't know how you grew up. I, I Well, I do, based on what you told me. I don't necessarily know if money was ever an issue, but for so many people who can't eat and can't and, and are check to check, when you finally make it, you're like, ain't nobody taking this away. That's one, one thing. Right. And then there's another thing of showing up every day on a national network five days a week and feeling the power of being recognized and people telling you how great you are and you getting the access and the power, people don't want to give that up. And I often used to say it's this a, about- It's addictive. It's intoxicating. It's intoxicating. And it, it is addictive. And I often say this about my colleague, Jamal. When she, when she walked away, I, you know, and by walked away, I mean, she didn't have a choice in so many ways because she right. had to be her. I was like, this is one of the rare people that I know who really who really doesn't care about being on TV every single day. This is all I've ever done my entire professional life. So that was a choice and it was a very tough choice for me. But my spirit was so uneasy since we started covering Colin Kaepernick. It had been so uneasy. We had a regime change and it was very clear what we could and couldn't talk about with Colin Kaepernick. We were very clearly told we're not talking about what's going on. And then I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this and sleep at night. So when you, but, but I struggled. My ego was in turmoil. My ego was, mm -hmm. was really feeling away. And what I ask you, when you, we talk about failures and not being able to see ourselves every single day, because you have very, two very specific uh, examples when you felt like you weren't working. And, and I have a different perspective, but. What part of your ego is necessary to do what you do every single day and not be consumed by it? That, well, that's a, that's the very fine line that you have to keep a, an eye on each individual. For me, the part of the ego that you need is the part that I thank God I've, I've never had a shortage on, which is confidence. And it's a very fine line for that confidence to slip into some sort of an arrogance. I try to make sure that I don't do that. And I have a bunch of humbling mechanisms that keep me from that. I've been on both sides of the ball when it comes to having and not having both growing up. And as an adult, I would prefer to have than to not have, but there is, um, there is more to it. You know, I've seen the ego destroy people. And there's a lot of people who cut off their nose to spite their face when it comes to this game. And this game of entertainment also has a way of making people very bitter because of the access and the privileges that come with success when you're in front of the camera, in front of the world. It can make you very temperamental when those 
uh, privileges are revoked. So if you're used to getting the table without waiting and suddenly you may not even be able to afford the meal, let alone get to the spot and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be an hour. Like, me? For me? You know? Yeah. And so that that portion of the ego, you got to really you have to figure out for me this is what I learned. You have to figure out what things to take personally and what things not to so that it can keep you hungry. I'm somebody who believes that work is a good thing. We're here to work. We're, we're here to work. But I also think creation is a good thing. We have this thing. That's what I was talking about earlier. We have this thing where we're really, really, really consumers now. And somebody like you, I'm looking at you. I mean, I don't know what else I'm going to catch you on or what else, what else I'm going to do to promote something because you're, uh, this is two different shows, two different platforms of what you're, you're doing. This is you creating. This is you producing and creating stuff and putting it out there. And I am sure that the fulfillment that you get from being able to create and actually be you and freely you in comparison to being censored in sorts is worth whatever the rub may be financially that you may, the hit you may have taken because that's real freedom, you know? And, and so I think there's, when you look at it, whether we're talking about athletics or whatever else, there's a, in greatness, there comes some of that ego. And a lot, I think a lot of it is underpinned by confidence of knowing that you're good at something or knowing that you're great at something. The danger is, and this is what the Bible talks about, and, and you know, this is what the whole, all holy books speak about, is that the danger is, is that intoxication that comes with the success, which can get you off track of what exactly it was that made you successful, which then is a, a real vicious cycle, which can put you in a, in a hamster wheel of chasing something that you once had. Not recognizing that things change, you know, this is, this is how it works in life. I mean, I, I, me personally, I try to embrace the changes. Like I, I'm somebody who doesn't dye my hair. Every actor in Hollywood dyes their hair and this, that, and the other. Now I look young, so I can get away with it in a lot of ways, but also that's me. That's me now. This is where I am now. When y'all first saw me, when I jumped on the scene, I looked like I was 13 years old. That was because that's what I looked like when I was 22 years old. I, that's, that's how I look. You know what I mean? So I need to, I can either accept that or I can try to hide from that. And for me personally, I'm interested in being the best version, an honest version of myself that I can be. Cause that's the only way that I'm going to sleep well and, and continue the confidence that I have because that's the confidence of me being me. Well, the reality is, I think too, and, and, and maybe people who are listening can understand this. Uh, the older you get, the more honest you want to be. Because you do not have the time to, to to pretend. It is exhausting. 100% true. And it's not just to pretend. You also have, in, in theory, I think you've learned about the damage and the corrosive nature of dishonesty. You know, yeah. and, it, and, and what it does to you, what it does to people you care about, what it, well, how it actually holds you back. It holds you back. And it also gives people a uh, a false, obviously, this is obvious, gives you a false identity, but then you feel like you have to keep that up, that identity that is not you. There's a pressure to it. Yeah. 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 Pressure. There is pressure in lying. And I'm all like, I'm all set. You know what I mean? When I have my very, very <laughs> first podcast, I'm all set. I, I, I can't, like, um, I can't fool anybody anymore. I am who I am. There are things that I choose not to discuss that are very honest and real, and that is my choice because in this day and age where we want to consume, you don't have the right to consume everything about me, especially as but public. I agree. Thing. Well, yeah. I and fully I think, agree. I think we get confused with that. We feel like we have to tell people more than we need to. Although, although conversely, the, the more comfortable you are in your skin, you don't feel like you have to hide anything. At least I don't anymore. You know what I'm Well, like, yes and no. It's not, I see, to me, it's not about hiding. There's, there's, I, to me, the, the verbiage is important. Because it's not about hiding things. It's about some things being private. And I grew up in... Some things are I mean, very... And, and let me tell you something. The way that I grew up, I grew up with a very healthy skepticism of authority, of the government, of the whole song and dance. My father was born in the Jim Crow South. And so I grew up with stories where skepticism, privacy, intimacy, secrets 
that sort of thing could save your actual literal life. So for me, I'm not somebody who just likes to blab about everything. And I'm a listener more than a talker most of the time. But now with everything, with transparency being, you know, the new privacy, it gets twisted when somebody doesn't want to share each and every morsel about their day of what they ate and how they felt and the fart they let out and the blah, blah, blah. It's excessive. And to me, I'm not going to go for that because I, I tell you what, this is one of those things that's an age thing. It's like a sign of the time thing is it's mind blowing to me that we give full access to every secret that we have under the guise of convenience. What do you mean? If somebody, if somebody got a hold of your phone right. and your email code and this and the other, they would learn all sorts of secrets about Miss Champion. Right. Now, that's if somebody did that. But the somebody who has all that is the company that you allow on all those permissions to to surf through and go through all your stuff all the time. Yeah, sure. Which can be pulled out at any time that they want to. Sure. And given to any sort of, of company and people for whatever. See, but now to you, me, I can't get over that. That's just mind blowing to me. Yeah, and you know what? But we are and we, not us per se, but this this is society of followers instead of doers. And so no one's reading the permissions when they download the apps or when they're going to shop online or when they're doing all these other things. They're not doing that, right? They're not doing that. And the hope would be, without going too far off, the hope would be that there's legislation in place to protect you, which it, there is not, right? The hope there's not. There's not. You know, we, I get on my political soapbox, but that is that's. I know, but I hear you. I hear you. In theory, that's that's what you're that's what you're leaning on. In theory, because some people can protect themselves and they elect these officials to look out for them and protect them. But we're all, again, in this world of of being followers and not leaders. And this is not popular. This is not popular. People don't want to hear that. I, I no, no, nobody wants to hear that. But see, here's the, here's the other here's the other piece. I'm remember where you are, please. But this is the yes. other piece that I'll say oh. that about aging. I've realized I'm only going to have the hard conversations with people that I care about. Sure. I'm not having hard conversations with every Tom, Dick and Hank that's walking around because Correct. you'll end up getting your dander up about everything. Correct. So so for me, Wait, I'm, that's, I'm having that's solid advice. Don't have the hard conversations with people you don't care about because there's no point. No, there's no point. It's too hard. It takes too much. out hard, of Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's why it's a hard conversation. Okay. So to have a real conversation, a hard conversation where you have to lay down some hard truths, some cold water on people. And you're going to have to, by the way, you're going to have to swallow some of that cold water yourself. I'm not above the law. Nobody, you know, I didn't, it, all this stuff that I'm saying applies to me as well. Sure, of so when you hear something that you don't want to hear, that should come in love, but it should come in love from somebody who I know that actually cares. Because I'm, if I don't care, I will not take the time to correct you. I will not take the time to lace you up with some of the, the jewels of wisdom that I've received over my time on the planet. I just let you go ahead and be a knucklehead. That's on you. Correct. And you don't deserve, by the way, you don't deserve that. You're, you're, you know, people often what I've realized as we've got more mature is that your presence is truly a present. And if you know that you can't share that with everybody, you can't give that to everybody because they can't understand it nor do they respect it. So what's the point? Um, you, I, one of the, one of the, one of the great things, and, and now I look, I digress. I'm going to bring it back to what bring I, bring it back. Here's the thing. You're highly intelligent and you have, uh, so much, um, you have, you have opinions. I like people who have opinions. I like people who have something to say about the world in which we live. I don't have to always agree, but I like that. That means you've done the work to figure out the space that you're in and what it means. Um, and we can we can be numb with Instagram and Twitter and 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 getting it while it's hot and being popular that we often forget um, that we should have more than what we first see that first layer and that second layer and that third and fourth layer I'm interested in fifth the sixth layer like I love it I say that about great debaters people who speak well I want you to be able to tell me a little bit more than what I already know or Captain Obvious. And you've been able to do that. So that's why I, I digress. So I say thank you for that and giving me that. I appreciate it. All good. Every champion in-
carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Get naked with you have a as an actor i i ask this because my one of my really good friends i think you may know her in passing her name is kendra carter she used to work at nbc and she yeah uh-huh and she said she asked you about or she mentioned the grove to you one time and you were like the grove but what about americana i guess that's a place in glen you know on glendale i'm not yeah 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 yeah, yeah. She says you guys are having this back and forth conversation yeah you, and you were like i cannot believe you don't know about America. <laughs> you, you made her feel so simple. So I probably. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jeez. So I, so I probably said, I don't know, America today. I was like, I don't know. This is right after we did our interview. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what America got. And I'm glad I didn't ask. Um, that is an example of your ability to connect. That is an example for me. That is why you are able to work and do what you do consistently, minus those those year and a half and year and plus months that you felt you were you were on an island. Are you able to bring that to every single one of your roles? And then also also auditioning. Like people have to feel like like I feel like I knew you. May not be true, so is, but it has a lot to do with I think. Well, to me, when you're doing when you're putting together a project. It's a, it's, you're putting together a team. So you're putting together people that you're going to be around for 12 to 16 hours a day for four to nine months. So a lot of it 
I, I'm a firm believer. I got, I have gotten more jobs based on my personality than I have based on my talent. And it is because I can get along with people, which once again goes back to my childhood, because when you're juggling a lot of personalities, you, you learn how to get along with people, you know, and you learn when to push buttons if you want to push button. But in general, you learn how to get along with people. Now, a very strange thing has happened in the entertainment business, which is now, ever since the pandemic, auditions take place like this, either via Zoom or you have to take them and deliver them yourself, to which I'm convinced most of them don't even get seen. I'd be shocked if 80% of the auditions, I would be shocked if 20% of the auditions that get mailed in actually get watched. Now, I agree. that that changes a lot of the dynamic. So but, if I was just getting started now, I would have to chart a whole different course than I did when I was getting started 20 years ago. Because for me, this was about going into a room of strangers and making them feel warm and that that I am capable enough to work with the material. I'm also flexible enough to when they give me ideas to change what I've prepared, that I'm willing to change it. And that overall, I'm not going to be a nuisance to be around, you yes, know? Sir. And so this now isn't, you can't get that on a tape. You definitely can't get it on a tape when people don't watch the tape, but you can't get that, that same kind of feeling that you get, just like you were talking about with someone's presence. You can feel people when they come in the room, whether you're like, oh yeah, oh man, I love being around them. You know, I like, I like being around. I like being around Carrie. I like, I, I see Carrie walking. I'm like, ah, yeah, she's fine, but she's actually cool. I like, she's cool. I like seeing Carrie and be like, oh yeah, what's up? What have you been up to? That's why every time that I do see you, it's always cool. It's always, yeah. a, you know what I mean? It's always, a, it's cool. So we can, we can catch up because there's a normalcy. Everybody doesn't have that. Yeah. So for me, job one is always getting the job. So there's that. But then once I get the job, I do my very best to make it mine so that that connection is there. And one of the greatest, uh, well, I was just at this wine tasting now and a guy stopped me and took a photo with me and said, man, I got so deep and connected to one of the roles you played, man. I just could not stop watching the movie and it made me late to my next appointment. <laughs> I said, wow, thank you for that. And if I can make you feel like you actually know me, this is a compliment of the highest order, you know, mm -hmm. like, because that, that means that there is a reality and an honesty that's coming through my performance that you connected with something that you recognize in your real life. Sure. Sure. You have you know that ability. I mean? That's to me. And that is a, that's special and it's given and it's set apart and it's a gift. And if you use it right, this is what the outcome is. And so you have to use, in my opinion, use it right. Do you see? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of elements to it, though. Like one of the elements I use that helps me with that is I don't wear makeup. Why? I hate watching movies and TV shows when I see the makeup on people, on men. What about, I really do. What about women? Well, I see makeup on women in real life. So that doesn't change for the performance. You know, your makeup is fine, Carrie. Yeah, you, you're not going to get me to disrespect you. I don't care what you try to do. <laughs> you're so silly yeah no 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 but but men in particular so that because and it's part of it is because of hd and you know super high definition stuff oh, you know yeah. you can see so for me if there's some imperfections in my skin guess what whether you know it or not this is like one of the industry secrets whether you know it or not that's gonna make you feel like i'm more of a real person Interesting. because i look how i look which is also one of the things that made me more recognizable in real life when I first got on the scene and people started to recognize me because I actually look how I look in the movies. Interesting. I love it all. I love it all. Do you, okay, can I ask you this? Can you tell everybody um, what a life hack is for you? Meaning there's somebody who is a creative. And again, I talk about creatives in a very broad spectrum. What I do, what you do, a writer, a director, um, hell, right. I, a gardener for that guy, Don Matter. A hundred percent. My landscaper is dumb creative. Right? So for, for that matter, I'm just, I'm like someone who considers what they do art. And sometimes these people don't even really realize that what they're doing is art. 
Um, anyone fully agree with you. Present something for the world to to pick apart, to criticize, to adore, to love, to whatever the world decides to do. I consider you an artist. A chef is an artist. You know, um, yep. that matter. What for you as an artist, any creative, what is motivating and keeps you going? Uh, you know, I have, like I told you earlier, I'm really competitive. And I see the League of Entertainment sometimes in an unhealthy way, most of the times in a healthy way, as a grand entertainment, um, as a grand competition of entertainment. And as like an NBA, if you will, of entertainers. And I'm always supposed to be an all star. So for me, there's a, there's a, I have a driving force for that. But also one thing that I've learned about myself is I live a much more fulfilled life when I am around and a part of creative activity. So with that, whether it's me doing the creating, it's great if it sells and it becomes popular and this, that, and the other. But it goes back to what you're talking about, about the journey. And success is the journey in a lot of ways. Because for the artist, what we have is process. If I make it to, I have a television show that comes out in four hours. What time is it? Four, three, three. Yeah, three hours on the East Coast. Comes out in three hours, right? The show could come out and be an international sensation. Or the show could come out and not bust a grape. Mm-hmm. And nobody watches the show, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have control over that. Yeah. I have control over my process while I'm preparing and creating my portion of the show. I don't have a, I don't have a say in the editing. I don't have a say in where they set up the camera. I don't have a say in the music that they use. I don't have a say in what somebody else on set says. I have the process of the creative process I do that I have. And in that, I found that when that is properly nourished, I am a better person outside of work. I am a better human being. I love that. I love that. Because creating, and it doesn't matter whether it's on set or whether I go out into my garden and I'm, you know, planting greens. Like it's, it's, it is the creative process that to me, if you really want to go, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea, creates a, a connection to the divine mm-hmm. because I believe that God is creative. Yes, of course. And in that, that creativity and that desire to create, that motivation to create is in my DNA that's placed from a higher power. Yep. Are you going to say something? Yes, ma'am. This 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 episode of this podcast is gonna be called The Preacher. Omar Miller. <laughs> I don't do it. Offer, don't do it. The offer and play, give me a dollar, tell me more. You know what I'm saying? Like I need it, sir. <laughs> um, I'm gonna let you go. I adore you, I appreciate you, and you and you're special, which you already know. So thank, thank you for my podcast and my TV show, two in a day. I harassed let me tell you. Bullet. You need me. I'm, I'm gonna come running. You let me know. Listen, I was like, I, I, I gotta stop using that word because somebody might arrest me. But I, I literally know how to get to. Are you like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow? I'm like, no. Now I'm gonna grab you now. No problem. I need it right now. I'm trying to wrap this up. Yeah. No. 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 I get it though. I get it. You can't. And then you shouldn't procrastinate. But I mean, this is an extraordinary circumstance. The preacher. Gather around and pass the offering. A dollar for you, a dollar for you, a dollar for you, a dollar for you. Uh, I really do appreciate Omar Miller for coming on the podcast. Uh, He's very helpful. He's a good man. And he can live on what I call Good Man Island any time of the day. You guys join us next week. We got a good guest. I appreciate all the support. The podcast is doing amazing. And that is because you guys are loyal and faithful and you listen. You listen, listen, listen. So I'm grateful. All right, guys. I'll talk to you all next week.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.